it's is it weekly is it four weeks is it ongoing it's for the next three weeks it's a four-week series but people can jump in and just do one session if they want but you will get a lot more benefit from it if the more sessions that you do so there's three more coming up and it's every saturday evening time for the u.s right i'll post the link in the chat so you can check thank it you. out great thank you yeah you're welcome somebody else have extraordinary news or comments or or ordinary yeah i do uh last night was the uh the first men's circle that i held space for with scott oh wow um, and it was, yeah yeah there was um it was it was really there was a lot of power to, to have a space of just men and it was a lot different energy than than what we usually have been feeling in spaces in possibility management. Um, one thing I wanted to note was that I noticed that there was a lot of the mind body. There was a lot of like thinking going on. And I, and I observed that that's men do a lot of thinking. We try to like figure it out in our head. And one of the hardest things was, making the distinction between emotions and feelings and i was actually wondering clinton if you could touch on that and maybe provide some clarity on how to give that distinction between an emotion and feeling yeah it's so irre irreducible i mean it's so it's such a great distinction because it can't be refuted and the distinction is simple, which is, which is that whether it's anger or sadness or fear or joy, which was the worst for me because I lived in emotional joy for about 40 years of my life. Uh, if it lasts longer than three minutes, it's an emotion. In addition to that, if it is mixed, so for example, if it is anger mixed with sadness equals depression, or if it is anger mixed with fear equals hysteria or aggression. If it is anger or sadness mixed with fear and it's despair or this isolation, hopelessness thing, you know, it, it's it, any of the mixed ones are emotions. And so, the vast majority of almost everything that modern people dare to feel or it leaks out of them as a feeling is emotional. And in addition to that, there you can, when you go back to the source as an, as an extra thing or part of the healing process for emotions, because every single emotion, every single emotion is a doorway to an emotional healing process. Mm. And, and Chloe, who looks like she's on Greece somewhere, she, she's over there, look, she's 
she has recently ex expanded the process. <laughs> she is on Greece somewhere. Um, has expanded the, the website called process.mystrikingly.com with very clear instructions for the, the nuts and bolts, you know, the basic ways to do an emotional healing process. Most of you could be, you could quit your corporate job, stop working at McDonald's, and you could be delivering ongoing online and offline emotional healing processes for the rest of your life and become rich and wealthy and retire as a world famous emotional process healing agent. Not only that, you'd be doing good, good for people. So I hope you do that because I'm not, I'm not fooling around. It's so important. For, you know, every single emotion that comes up is, is a gateway to an emotional healing process and it has a source, has a source. So you can follow your emotions back to the source and then it's useful to, to see the map of reactivity. We have this website called Reactivity, which is very clear and powerful about the source of where these emotions might be coming from. Because they're, it's almost like different species of uh, animal kingdoms or something like that. It's a very clear classification um, to determine where the emotions come from and what, what their purpose is. And this, this makes it very powerful in the healing, emotional healing process to not um, think that it's a boring subject because as many, as many emotional healing processes as I have done in my life, half of them that I do are, are processes I never did before. So half of the, half of the processes that come up are, are so original and so new and so creative from, as from the survival strategy perspective. So it's never boring to take people through emotional healing processes, even though they just start with mad, sad, glad, and scared, you know, or in mixed emotions. It's, it's so fascinating our, how much creative effort goes into surviving. And it's, and it's such a glorious thing to shift out of the survival mode into the living mode, to have a purpose um, with a broader perspective than mere surviving. It's such a glorious thing to, to support people to do this. So Quinn, does that help in terms of the difference between feelings and emotions and what the emotional healing process is, how important they are? You know, one could think, oh yeah, well that's an emotion. And then you think you can just dismiss it because you've named it as an emotion. Well, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. That swamp, you know, there's a great film everybody has to see called Princess Bride. How many people have seen Princess Bride already? Well, Cut. not enough. Not <laughs> enough. Princess Bride is a, it's a mandatory film for reading Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love. You have to see it before next week, okay? R Princess Bride. It's just a fantastic film because there's this, they have rodents of unusual size in there. And these are just one of the characteristics of the flaming forest or the forest of doom or 
Vera, what's it called? The forest of what? You know? Despair or the, the something of despair? The forest of despair. Yeah, something like that. So you never want to go in there, but, you know, we live in there. So it's great to know there's these flames that come out, these rats, this this kind of quicksand dust that you can fall in. And if you know what the what the kinds of emotions are, you 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 just can you're prepared to take it through the transformational process that it is. Because on the on the other side, the fire swamp, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> The other side of every single emotional process is like Christmas morning. It's, it's like, it's, it's really, it's opening up a present or a gift of, of miraculous nature. And, it's, and it lasts the rest of your life. Now, and so you don't have to worry about doing your emotional healing processes too fast because you will never run out of it. Don't worry about opening all your packages. I don't know if you ever felt like doing that on Christmas morning to open them all really fast because but the problem with that is that you know then Christmas morning is over so this the point of the of the doing the emotional healing process is, is that you can't it will never be over and that's not the point the point is not to get I've said it before the point is not to get to the bottom of the garbage can because the underworld is endlessly large and the upper world is endlessly large and the middle world is reasonably large. So, I mean, how can two endlessly large things occupy the same space at the same time is one of those mysteries. It's just one of those mysteries. You have to go to bed at night, lay in your bed, look up at the ceiling and go, how can the underworld be so gigantic and the upper world be so gigantic? And how much gigantic space is there? Like how much? Because they're both kind of endless. So how can two endless things occupy the same space? It's, it's one of those mysteries. So I hope you do that. I hope you, I hope you, um, each one of you, put up your website and start offering emotional healing processes because this is where the revolution happens. It happens in rage club. It happens in men's group. It happens in study group. This is where it happens because people can really transform them People can really access new possibilities. So along those lines, <clears throat> I'm going to this time, thank you for your patience because last Monday I was in a transit. I was in transit and so it didn't, it didn't feel appropriate to try to hold this space in a transit place where I was. It just didn't work. So thank you for your patience and forgiveness and here we are back again and I would like to I'm not going to read uh, starting at number 27 of the ways to create ordinary relationship today I'd like to start reading on page 51 which is the beginning of chapter 3 about ordinary man and ordinary woman <clears throat> and the beginning of the that chapter is called Matriarchy and Patriarchy. This should stir up enough for a good evening of conversation. Here we go. <coughs> Previous, <coughs> here we go, I'll start again. Cut, 
That's a take out, take that part out. Okay, here we go again. Previous to 6,000 years ago, if you think you've heard this before, pretend like you never heard it before. Go to a deeper place in you to hear this, okay? There's an amazing thing about listening and the listening, the power of a conversation has to do with the listener. And so the magical part of listening is to build in yourself a capacity to listen. It's almost so, so much listening that it's a vacuum, that it calls forth, calls through. It's like you have to meditate on Denzel Washington in the um, equilibrator, equilib equila, and Chloe, what is it? Equalizer, got it. The Equalizer movies. The first one is better than the second one. The first one has a horrible murder scene in it where this uh, patriarchal um, psychopath kills a woman. So you have to skip that part. So, but, but the way Denzel Washington listens, he listens with all five bodies and they focus on the eyes, but you can, you can get it that you can feel his ability to listen. In any case, I don't necessarily recommend that movie. I just wanted to use it as an example in case people have seen it. Previous to 6,000 years ago, cultures of the world were matriarchal. So this whole idea about a matriarchal past is conjectural. There is evidence to support the matriarchy story. There is also evidence to support other stories. Whether the matriarchy story is true or not does not so much matter. And that comes from the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid movie which starts off saying that most of what follows is true, but it doesn't matter, because it's a good story. What matters is that hearing stories of the matriarchy can set the stage for a wider view of relationship possibilities than the limited view dictated by the pervasive patriarchal story we live in today. So let us begin again. Previous to 6,000 years ago, cultures of the world were matriarchal. We do not even know what the term matriarchy means anymore. We think matriarchy is simply a role reversal with women replacing men in patriarchal power positions. This is not so. Matriarchy functions through a completely different paradigm than patriarchy, not even on the same game board. Matriarchy was the original successful design of human organizations for 90,000 years. I think it was more like 190,000 years, but approximately that long. It was characterized by egalitarianism, mutuality, and love of life. Most matriarchal viewpoints are wildly unfamiliar to us today as our minds have been shaped I would say raped by a patriarchal framework. For example, from the matriarchal perspective, it is crippling insanity to think that a person can own land or claim legal rights to natural resources. For another example, the concept of profit 
is a bizarre intellectual disease. After you read this book and do the experiments and feel the results in your relationships, then having a conversation about matriarchy might begin to make sense. At this point, it is enough to consider that the ways of humanity were probably not always like they are now. Some historians think that 6,000 years ago, after the last ice age, severe climactic changes forced matriarchal cultures into desperate survival. So the climate change forced the matriarchal cultures into survival. So the way I explain matriarchy now is essentially that it was walking around on earth as if it was a giant salad bar. It's you wake up in the morning and you live in the salad bar and the great mother, the earth, provided everything. So we're held in a salad bowl, a giant you know, salad bar. And that's, and we would just roam from dish to dish around the planet. This is in little groups. This is basically matriarchal culture that the great mother would take care of us. So out of the chaos of the collapse of being able to just, the salad bar was disappearing. You get that? The climate changed and the salad bar started drying up or disappearing, got too hot, got too cold, got strange weather. Out of the chaos arose patriarchal worldviews based on scarcity on competition and the I win, you lose game plan. Patriarchal marauders seeking to irresponsibly benefit from the labor of others soon pillaged and subjugated any remaining matriarchies. In this switch over time is when we started figuring out agriculture. What agriculture means is being able to grow, for example, staples like grain, different grains or potatoes or starches, things that were staples that could be stored. As soon as you have a thing that should, can be stored for a longer time, it becomes something that can be stolen. And so that all of a sudden you need fences and you need guards and you need houses and you need defenses. And so, and then you build walled cities. And so out of out of the agriculture of, of, of making a food source that can be stored through the winter, for example, you have an item of value that the um, uninitiated, uh, led by psychopath marauders can come in and rape and steal and pillage. So this is essentially the evolution of the patriarchal stuff. So patriarchy. If you do your own research, you may be surprised to discover that the patriarchy has not made independent contributions to civilization. Has not. The patriarchy exists as the negation of matriarchy. The original, quote unquote, original inventions of patriarchy consist mainly of different forms of violence. The invention of domination as a universal rule within organizations, the invention of private property, the invention of war, the valuation of abstract linear thought, 
the invention of exploitation and profit, the replacement of sharing with competition, and the invention of mechanization and machinery. So this book has nothing to do with history, economics, science, politics, or religion. This, is, this book is about you discovering greater possibilities for yourself and your relationships. Toward that end, I invite you to consider the idea that what could be happening in the world right now is the last rampage and predictable failure of patriarchy through the introduction of worldwide capitalism. Divide the resources by the population count and you discover that not everybody in the world gets to have an air-conditioned apartment and a gas-guzzling car. When you add up the numbers, they cannot work out. At some point, the house of cards falls down. And I think we're all pretty intensely aware that we're in the middle or some stage of that shift, of this transformation. Identify the patriarchy. As you think over what you are reading in this chapter and start identifying specific detailed manifestations of the patriarchy in your daily life, like for example, the fact that children play in the street. For the most part, children play in the street. Most buildings are angled instead of rounded and their design makes minimal or no use of an abundance of free solar energy, etc. on and on and on. You may be surprised that a condition you either never noticed before or that you assumed was naturally true and ordinary could only exist in a patriarchy. It's about discovering these things. Not only that, it's about feeling the pain of those things. It's a pain of awareness. This whole book is about pain. And, and it's about making your pain conscious and allowing yourself to experience the shock and pain of what you didn't know that you didn't know about so that you have a chance to do something else. That's what this that's the way this book goes. Chapter after chapter, even in the extraordinary sections that we'll eventually get to, it's about pain. So if after today we quit, you know, we're, we're done for today and you go home and you have some days and you're experimenting and you feel some shock and some pain about looking at your world differently. Like why do we have curtain rods made out of aluminum? Okay, why is this table square? What, why is it made out of teakwood, which came from Indonesia? You know, why, why am I using uh, gas? Like in Europe, for example, almost all Europeans use a methane gas that's pumped in from Russia through Ukraine. Anyway, there's all this stuff going on. You start thinking, hey, why is it like this? You will feel, when you, the more you realize about what's really going on, the more pain you will have. You, this is something to celebrate. Now, this is not about masochism. 
It's not what we're talking about is masochism. It is simply the pain of expanding awareness. And we've been so programmed against pain. We've been so programmed to seek comfort that when we're in a team or a group and we, and we receive feedback or get some kind of feedback that is painful, our first reaction is to attack the messenger, kill the messenger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like we're just so programmed to automatically say, you're wrong. It's not, you know, I'm, you can't say that kind of stuff to me. I'm a good person. You're an asshole. Nobody would say that to a friend. You know, this is our first reaction to uh, a message that could open up a whole new doorway of intimacy or relating or an awareness about the mechanics of the universe so we have a better ability to create magic. And, and so that so I'm, what I'm, why I'm saying this is to try to encourage us to keep developing this habit of, of taking a breath. You know, something comes, we think it's some kind of an attack. It, it proves us wrong or it insinuates that we're insufficient or not good enough. And, and instead of going into this reactive mode of attacking back, is to just simply go, oh, it's another one of these pains of awareness expansion. God, this again. It's a good thing they invented aspirin. That's all I can say. So you may be surprised that a condition you either never noticed before or that you assumed was naturally true and ordinary could only exist in a patriarchy. It emerged from the patriarchy. It becomes even more astonishing when that thing is happening inside of you. So here you have a thing happening inside of you that could only happen in a patriarchy. You are inhabited by a mimetic virus, mimetic virus called patriarchy. It's a vast, complex, subtle, and per pervasive, invasive mimetic virus called patriarchy. For example, when you shut down your intuition, how many people, how many of you will admit that you have, in some, you remember in some way shutting down your intuition, that it was too powerful for you. It had too much unbelievable, illogical, unreasonable, surprising, and true and useful information. Yeah, and then we shut down intuition. Thank you, because intuition, Intuition is not patriarchal. It's, there's no model in the patriarchal empire that allows for intuition. So when you shut down your intuition, numb your feelings, you know, raise your numbness bar, pass responsibility for conducting rituals. This is a big one. We pass the responsibility for conducting rituals of death or birth or transition over to priests and doctors instead of priestesses and midwives because of fears of reprisal from the culture. You know, so we have, I, I've been to one funeral in, the, in, in, your, in a Western funeral. My first funeral that I ever went to was in the Northern Philippines in a place called Sagada. And I was 
in a, I heard, I was in a small guest house and I, they, they knew, I kept asking questions like, what's this recipe? What's this vegetable? How do you get the vines to do this so that it, you can use them to make this thread that you're using to make your clothes? And they heard me asking all these questions. And, and, and the next day they said, look, you would like this. There's a funeral happening in the next village. I go, hell yes. Yeah. So I go down there in my regular jeans and my t-shirt and, and I, with my little beat book. And I, I sit there from early morning till all day long with the villagers who are sitting around a small hut where a woman who is 102 years old died. And, and she was her, they, they took her body and they tied it in a sitting position up in a wooden chair, small wooden chair, and she's tied into this, and they had a stick up the back and a band around her head. So she was tied, her body was tied into this little hut. It was about, you know, four, four meters around, four, you know, four meters diameter. And so at the mid, in the middle of the day, after she's been baking in there for a couple of days, and it's really starting to stink, um, they invited the, the, us to go in. So they invited me to, and as, as I go in, I'm overwhelmed with this, you know, it's hard to see, there's a little candlelight and it stinks like dead body, you know, like a roadkill on the side of the road. It's just this overpowering, makes me want to throw up. And then they offer me this big plate of greasy fried pork to eat as a celebration inside of this, you know, and it's the first time I really saw a dead body up close and was stinking like this. And, and there she was just sitting there. They were covering her with a tea made out of guava leaves to kind of help, help suppress the flies and help preserve her skin. And I, I almost barfed really. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in there very long, but I was so impressed that they were letting us participate in this, in this ritual that they said, the next day we're going to actually bury her. Why don't you come back? Well, you could come back tomorrow and we're going to actually Is anybody else having trouble with sound? Yeah, I think I'm it's coming back on. Yeah, I think is it computer. Thank you. Well. You're mute. What about now? Good, thank you. Sorry about that. Just kind of, it's an intense story. So, so I looked around at all the men, young, the people who were participating in the first day of the burial ceremony, and they were all wearing this G-string. They had no 
basically uh, that was it. They were wearing a G-string. I didn't have a G-string. So I spent the rest of the afternoon going around to the local weavers and finding, uh, uh, buying a, an official Northern Filipino G-string. And the guy showed me how to put it on. He showed me how to take a P without taking it off. He showed me how to wear the thing. And, and so I was so proud. Next morning, I'm walking from the guest house down to the village through the town. And with this G-string on, it's like, talk about matrix building, stressful experience. People would lean out their windows and go, you know, because, because all the guys who, who were there, the Filipino guys, they all had brown butts with no hair on them. And I have a white butt with hair on it. So they were completely astonished. They would run and get their kids and they were leaning out the windows and they were clapping. It was one of these amazing experiences, but it gets even more interesting because when I finally got to the village and the, and the burial ceremony was beginning and we get to the, I got to the village, none, the, all the guys were wearing blue jeans. I was the only one wearing a G-string because it was the first day you wear traditional clothes and the next day, that they that they they had this other kind of ceremony and so they all laughed and then but they totally welcomed me to come in there but it was like i'm sweating even now just because it's so embarrassing just thinking about anyway so they took the body of the dead lady out of the hut and they wrapped her up into a ball and rolled her into a blanket and then uh then as soon as the as soon as they started carrying her on somebody's head, the young men grabbed the body and started beating on this ball with their fists as hard as they could. And what it, I'm going, what are you doing? Like, what, the, what is going on here? And they're beating and smashing on this little old lady wrapped up in this ball that they're throwing around kind of like one of these medicine balls, you know? And the, I'm, finally, I could get somebody to explain to me that they were trying to get some of the juice out of the dead lady on their skin because if they could leave it on them for three days they would have good luck this was their this is their ritual that they could keep the juice of the dead body of the lady on them for three days they would they would have good luck so these young men were just smacked the thing is she was so skinny and there wasn't any juice so it was it was aggressively violent on this ball of a dead body and they were running down through the rice paddies so i was I was running after them. Fortunately, they had a torch burning with a lot of smoke so to try to cover up the stink from the dead body. And we went through the bushes and we went up the hill behind this cliff. And the, the day before they had, you know, read the, the they had killed some chicken and read the read the entrails and to see where the lady should be buried, whether it was in a cave or on a cliff. And it turned out to be on a cliff. So when you first get married in this village, the man carves out two logs to make your burial sarcophagus and the woman weaves the cloth that you wrap yourself in when you die so this is the first thing you do when you're married is you fit is you prepare yourself for death and so the log was already carved and it turned out that it was going to be on a cliff so they finally we went to the edge of this cliff and they unrolled the body into this log and lifted it up the cliff and she's still there today she's hanging on the outside of this cliff with some ropes way up on this cliff in the northern Philippines. And that was the first burial ceremony 
I ever went to. And some years later, I was back in Germany. I went to a, a burial ceremony of a possibility manager, uh, and he he had died from this weird brain disease. And and that ceremony was so dead. It was so artificial. It was so um, unfulfilling, unrewarding. It was just like so. Anyway, that's where we that's what we're talking about. Is the is like in the patriarchy, it's totally okay to hand over rituals of such importance to the to a, a, a priest or, or a doctor. Recently, just just to share another short story, is that I was and Chloe and I got invited to um, a mother graduation party in Germany where we were, and there was only eight or nine people there, and it was so real. It was so simple and it was so authentic. Uh, I was just really touched by the invention of the space, the respect for the process, the, the magical nature of the transition that was occurring in the woman who had spent her you know, 18, 19, 20 years being a mom, taking her name back. She's no longer mom. It was a mother graduation party. And it was no priest. There was no, it was, it's self-surgery. It's a kind of self-surgery. So this is a matrix, this is a next culture procedure. A next culture ritual is self-surgery. Like a lot of the procedures in, in next culture are self-surgery. So taking back your own authority. You can experience how deeply the patriarchy possesses you by wrestling to change a particular opinion that you might have, a reaction that you might have, an assumption or a generalization that you might have. Because as soon as you start to wrestle to change that, you will find that it careens through your mind and your emotion and emotions, forcibly driven by an unseen patriarchal engine. Has anybody ever had that experience trying to change some patriarchal belief? And it just rips through your all these layers you never would expect. It's like you pull out one thread and this whole thing reacts. It's like, and it's so, yeah, thank you. It is, it is, it is a, a life or death level reaction of this, like if I don't do it, patriarchal way we don't even have the word patriarchy in there if i don't do it the right way there will be consequences if i don't do it the right way i'm i will be punished i will be sent away this is really deep in us and this is our job this is our job consciousness creates freedom from that possession so so the patriarchal engine possesses us, even inside. It's an infestation inside of us. And procedure becoming more conscious, the pain of it, creates freedom from that possession. And this is the work that's ahead of us. And it's, you know, if there was some pill or some elixir that we could swallow that would just release and cleanse us of, of the depth of the mimetic, mimetic investation 
that we have from the patriarchy, you know, we would use it, but there isn't one. It just takes work. And that's, I don't know, that's what it is. I, I think we all were facing that. So I keep reading and then we talk for a little bit. A practice that awakens consciousness within you is to name what is happening, to give it a name. This is an alchemic, a powerful alchemical tool is to give it a name. So when you can, a practice that awakens consciousness within you is to name what is happening, even if you look bad. Name what is happening. For example, you could say to yourself, what is happening right now inside of me is a manifestation of patriarchy. Now I would say patriarchal thoughtware. It is not authentically me. It is a parasite. It is a conditioning. It is a habit. But what is happening right now inside of me, you can say this out loud to people. You can say it, you know, when. When somebody, when somebody, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, I've done this so many times, and I have this reaction. I think somebody wants to cut in front of me in the line at the grocery store. And I have this reaction. I'm first. I was here first. Get in line. Go find another line. You know, I have this reaction. What I do is I go, this is a manifestation of the patriarchy. And I back up and I say, would you please go in front of me? I go, please, please go in front of me. I would feel better if you could go in front of me. And it's like, it's like this kind of thing. It's like really face into the depth and that it grips your guts. Go, this is a manifestation of the patriarchy. When, when you're unfettered, means um, unlocked, when you're liberated from, when you're, unfettered from the patriarchal worldview, you suddenly gain a new freedom of movement. You gain a new, new freedoms of movement. You can begin to take actions that are more authentically your own, even if they are not sanctioned by the patriarchy. I would add, even if you don't know if they're going to work or not, even if you never saw anybody else do them before, you, so these are conditions that will come up. I never saw anybody do this before, therefore I can't do it. So, but it's a new freedom of movement. So exploring new freedoms of movement is, you can only do that by liberating, by naming and liberating yourself from the patriarchal grip, this grip that we have. Having options that are outside the boundaries of the patriarchy is essential for finding your way into something other than ordinary human relationship. I'll just read that one again. Having options that are outside the boundaries of the patriarchy is essential for finding your way into something other than ordinary human relationship. We, this, um, so this whole section, we're going to keep diving into that. For example, the next section is called How Patriarchy Shapes Our Culture. And that means inside of our mind also. 
but let's stop for a couple of minutes and see if there's anything anybody has that they want to share right now. Naomi, go ahead. I'm I'm really happy to dive into this subject because there's there's one conversation that I wanted to have about it. Um, and right now I'm also feeling it like that I get angry because I, I don't know how to hear all of this without hearing that men would be evil and bad. And I don't want to hear it that way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I need some distinctions to, to, I, I would love to talk about like feminine and masculine. Cause I read also a book about, a proposal what feminine and masculine would be but i don't want to get into victim persecutor kind of uh things and also i related to the word pain that you said um that there is pain not to go into the subject provokes a lot of pain um but i also remembered once you said that pain could be like victim and then what is the emotion there mm. so how can we have conversations about this in a like bright way and yeah so for, thank you for example patriarchy has nothing to do with masculine and feminine um, patriarchy is a cultural context and it has a set of thoughtware that go into next we've already touched on it it has some characteristics for example, scarcity. It's a, it's a viewpoint of survival-oriented scarcity. There's not enough. Therefore, we have to compete. And if you compete, there's a winner and a losers. There's one winner and lots of losers in a hierarchical power structure. So these are characteristic qualities of patriarchy. Both men and women and anything else participate in patriarchy by using these memes. It's a, patriarchy is a game world. It, culture is a game world. It is played according to some rules of engagement. So if in a win-lose football game, you put in a second football, or you put in a giraffe, or you allow each team to have uh, a weapon, like a, a tennis racket, or a, um, a jet, you know one of these pole vaulting sticks. Whatever you one, if you change one single rule in the game, you change the entire game. So, so for example, I in high school, I. We were playing, we were, I was supposed to be playing American football. And when, as soon as the teacher went to another field, I, I, I called both teams together and I said, we're changing one rule. And they, and they go, what? And they go, well, after each play, you know, a play is like somebody hikes the ball and you run and then it hits the ground and it's over. That's one play. I said, after each play, one player, we change one player on, on the sides. So they said, great. So we were playing it like this, and it was, it was fantastic because then we didn't have two teams. We were playing basically the same game, but it was all one team because we would keep swapping players after each play. So the, the, the coach comes back. He's watching us. You know, he's thinking we're playing football. And then he goes, what, what are you guys doing? 
and we just we didn't say anything we just kept playing he goes you can't do that you know he was so upset he was screaming at us that this is not how you play football you know you can't you you are forbidden to do he made us run around the track you know we all had to run around the track as punishment so so you just change one rule in the game and you have a whole an entirely different game so patriarchy is a game and it doesn't have anything to do with masculine or feminine it's a it's a it's a set of rules of engagement so does that help part of it part of it um but it has the word father in it and it's often related to men being in positions of making rules and that's why i find it polarizing when i try to talk about it okay we're just talk about it a different way don't don't allow the way you talk about it to be defined by someone else that you know people talk about this stuff in certain ways to promote gremlin food to promote gremlin feeding to promote competition low drama i'm right you're wrong this is evil this is you know men are evil like the whole they promote this this is promoted you do not have to talk with people about this stuff that way you can skip the whole thing and just kind of go deuce you're just doing a gremlin feeding frenzy i have other agendas you don't have to do that you get that you don't have to give your center away to the way other people talk about stuff so and you can say look i'm just not interested in that conversation i am however interested in the evolution of consciousness i want to know what memes you're using can we put your let's put our weapons on the table do you ever do that anyway that's an that's another process but it's about if you if you ask the people in the conversation to put their weapons on the table people start saying yeah i want to be arrogant superior first i want to be fastest I want to be more politically correct. I want to win. Uh, you know, and have them put the weapons on the table. Say, we're not using these weapons. This is a weapon-free conversation. And if people aren't interested in that, why are you in the conversation? So do you, you get what I'm saying? So change the game. So that yeah, I do. That's helpful. Change the game. I, I just get confused because it does talk about men also about in the history and men and to do them so then like what to do with that information if it's not or yeah can i can i um comment on that um yes. is it possible um i just wanted to say that i mean there's two things here about patriarchy um as i as i see it it might help you know me um well first of all um, men are also suffering from the patriarchy, um, which is something that's not doesn't seem to always be discussed. So it's not necessarily so. Even, so it's not necessarily just oh, women. It's it's an oppression. It's a it's a kind of a, a need of a control, but not only that. It's a hierarchy of values, um, and also the fact that women do perpetuate the patriarchy. So, so some men, and we're, we're in this lattice of different hierarchies. So, I mean, as, as I see it, is it, there's kind of a disconnect between there's this kind of hierarchy of, of culture and men and 
usually white men. I mean, historically at the top where everything else is at the bottom. But it doesn't mean that, that necessarily that is, you know, it's a kind of um, enmeshment of hierarchies and trying to control. So, so that's why, you know, you can see that women also will take advantage of this. It's not an attack to men as, as, as men. It's more of the actual hierarchy of values, of, of the socially constructed values of what a woman means and what a man means. So it doesn't even have to be a woman. It can be, you know, everything that's considered feminine as less, as less worthy in a way, you know, that the hierarchy of values rather than, you know, the embodiment of a, of a sex, which comes kind of historically, but it's a bit, it's kind of a different thing. That, I don't know if that makes sense or if it helps know me in any way. Thank you. Uh, what I was going to say is that if you look around at in the modern culture, within the modern culture, it can be very difficult to find examples of initiated adult men. And so the connection between patriarchy and uninitiated adolescent men is seems automatic it seems natural all so so it's easy to make that conclusion my perspective is as a game world builder there isn't there isn't the automatic tie tie-in to the males or the females it isn't automatic but we'll we'll talk about this more later we've already talked about this that for a man when he's born as a baby boy, he has to make a choice. And the choice is join the patriarchy or die. So the, what that means is like women, when a, when a woman is born into the patriarchy, she's a slave. She's a, she's a slave or a, a possession or a sex object and this it's easier for the slaves to escape the patriarchy than it is for the masters masters can't so the identity of a boy he has to choose either join the patriarchy or die the cost the cost what it costs a man to do this is everything. It costs everything because there is no possibility of a man creating his own unique identity within the patriarchy. He has a role to play. He, it is understood that he is the patriarch. He's the cigar smoking, brandy drinking, rich uh whatever you want to call it you know powerful that's his ideal he doesn't get the option any other option so it's sometimes difficult to understand that it costs a man everything whereas a woman is just a slave in the patriarchy whereas a man is supposed to uphold the patriarchy 
You're supposed to deliver the patriarchy, enforce the patriarchy. So he has to live as the patriarch. This costs him everything. So for a man to leave the patriarchy, he needs to die as part of, as part of the, as the core of the beginning of the possibility of leaving the patriarchy and going to next culture, he needs to die. Everything that he knows about himself, everything that he experiences about himself needs to die because it's contexted in being a patriarch. And so that, that will also make it difficult to identify men or find a man that is respectable or that has some options other than being a patriarch. So it's like to equate patriarchy with the masculine is easy. It's easy to do that. But as a game world builder, I'm saying that's not what's going on. It's just uh, part of the construct. It's not really tied into the male. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But um, does somebody else want to say something right now? Yeah. Um, I want to say it's, it's almost like, like 60 um, million years ago or something or 60,000 years ago like alien came down and they saw our society like our matriarchal society and they just like changed the game for some reason and created this patriarchy i i would agree with you in that there is a natural progression of game worlds or culture there's a natural progression of culture and it's it's it looks to me right now as if human consciousness could not evolve from being primates living in trees and caves in 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 sort of um, un, sort of like automatically made tribes like that to evolve out of the matriarchal salad bar culture that to, to get to next culture, you have to go through patriarchy. It's just a, a, a natural progression of, and I think it's the risk. I don't know if you've ever traveled, if you've ever traveled, you know, if you look around, sorry, I'm jumping here, but if you look around at us, the ones, us here who are in the, in the talk right now, we are not villagers. We do not have village consciousness. We are not from a tribe in Northern Thailand or Northern Philippines or Southern Southeast Asia or Africa. We're, we're not, we are not that. We are city people. So we are city people from modern culture having this conversation. So if you visit in villages and tribes you, and you encounter the consciousness of the tribe where it is unindividuated, un if you know what I mean, unindividuated tribal consciousness. If you try to have a conversation, anything like what we're talking about right now, you will not get anywhere. I have spent hours in the Philippines, for example, trying to can talk to a guy about his, him being able to do exactly what I'm, I was traveling at the time. I came in at an airport, I landed at the airport, I can 
I can go anywhere, do anything. I don't have much money. You know, I have a passport. I have a few things in my backpack. I don't speak the language. I don't know the rules. And I can go anywhere and do anything. And if you took away my passport and all my money and all my stuff, and you left me naked in the northern Philippines, just like him, within two or three days, I could be anywhere in the world. How is that possible that you got two guys completely naked and one guy can be anywhere in the world in three days and one guy is stuck in the Philippines the rest of his life as a victim? How is that possible? What is the difference? And the difference is thoughtware. So, so this conversation, like to, to take a, to the evolution of consciousness of an unindividuated tribal member into radical responsibility um, relocating your point of origin to your center taking your point of origin out of the culture putting it into your own center um, being a game world builder so you're free so that you stand in a culture of your own making with a context of your own choosing you can't get there from uh, a, a non-individuated tribal consciousness without going through some kind of middle state of the patriarchy, some kind of adolescent culture. Matriarchy is baby culture. Mother Earth takes care of us. Adolescent culture is patriarchal, where we have toys and, you know, competition and we, you know, superiority and fighting and the evolution of that consciousness into adulthood, into next culture, into archiarchy, is a natural progression. And it's a risk. I think it's a huge risk that Gaia, the, you know, the consciousness of planet Earth, took with human beings. Like to take an organism and give it the complexity and sophistication and enough elegance that it can have the consciousness of self-awareness all of a sudden it can choose it can make choices beyond gaia's control so if you look at any other creature on the planet it doesn't have that capacity to invent new vocabulary or change game worlds or do something for no reason or do something for any reason it's like the entire organic um organisms on in every genus and species on planet earth are subject to gaia except for us so it's an experiment that what we're what, what gaia did was gave us the power to choose and and we have not and what the first thing we chose was to get rid of authentic adulthood initiatory processes that's the first thing the patriarchy did why because Authentic adulthood initiatory processes detect psychopaths. And it's the psychopaths who can more easily climb hierarchical structures. So, so if you're a psychopath, you're climbing the hierarchical structure better than anybody else. You will be safe and powerful at the top of the, of the patriarchy. You do not want to go through an adulthood initiatory process that will say you are not allowed to have a position of power because you're a psychopath. You cannot have any position of power because you are a psychopath. You would, the first thing you would do is stop 
the adulthood initiatory processes. It's just what has happened so far. So as fast as we, we can, we're trying to empower each other to deliver authentic adulthood initiatory processes to each other and bootstrap ourselves back into next culture, back under the track to next culture. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for your notes. They're great notes you're pumping out here. I don't, I don't know if you guys can read them, but Sarah keeps pumping out great notes in the background conversation. So, so yeah, so this is what it's looking like is um, we've backed ourselves into this corner of, of being brainwashed into thinking that the only option we have is patriarchy and it's the best thing human beings ever invented on planet Earth, when in fact, it's one step along the way of the evolution of consciousness to a, a mature culture of authentically initiated adult women creatively collaborating with authentically initiated adult men. And so I would encourage us, each of us, to move into next culture as we're doing this work together. And, and rather than thinking we can confront or transform the patriarchy into like fix the patriarchy or heal the patriarchy, rather than thinking that, I would encourage us to move into next culture because the patriarchy is perfect. It is doing exactly what it is designed to do. The capitalist patriarchal empire is perfect. It is doing is nothing wrong with it it is not broken and so and it and it will not change it is defended against any kind of evolution it is defended it will maintain itself with pepper spray and police batons and helicopter pain rays and um you know taking over your bank account whatever whatever they can do that's they will defend themselves it is the, the point is to occupy, to invent and occupy next culture. But that starts way inside of each of us. So to move your point of origin to next culture and then unfold it, it's like plant, plant the seed, plant you as a seed into this next culture and unfold and bear fruit in next culture and have a blast and just leave the patriarchy behind. Do not have to fight it. So I don't, I don't know if you know that there are 300 million cultural creatives around the planet right now. People like you and me, people like us, 300 million of us cultural creatives, alive and well, doing something like we're doing right now, having the conversation of the evolution of consciousness. And most of it, almost all of it, is beneath the radar of modern culture. Modern culture has no idea even how to talk about or distinguish what we're doing right now. The, the evolution of consciousness is, is outside of the grip of modern culture. So just let's have a heyday. Let's, I, so focusing on trying to um, make the patriarchy better or to fix it is not going to get us anywhere i would propose i propose the best thing to do is to keep hacking through this stuff inside of ourselves and and um track it track the patriarchal memes 
that are contaminating your everyday perceptions and actions and feelings and you know making yourself into a victim at any level is patriarchal complaining is patriarchal blaming is patriarchal um, like I'm listening to the voices in your head without shooting them is patriarchal. You should, you must, you have to, you have to be perfect. That's not good enough. You'll never make it. Bang. You know, listening to the voices and not shooting them is patriarchal. Creating, making ordinary offers, such as trying to make it fair, trying to make it reasonable, trying to make it understandable, this these are patriarchal offers so this is so okay who can get you out of this who can you know most of us don't even think anything else is possible I mean, but yes of course there's so much more possible okay how do we do that well the whole first part of this book is about finding all the ways we're blocking ourselves from becoming emerging into next culture. How are we blocking ourselves? Very crucially, painfully, horribly, you know, looking at, oh my God, here's another way. Here, and I'm doing it right now. I am participating in the possibility of being a victim. I'm participating in the possibility of being superior or of competing or of making enemies. I'm competing in, in, the, in the game world of making enemies. I'm, I have enemies. How many of you have enemies? How many of you wake up in the morning and count your enemies? I know it's more than that. <laughs> you know, this is how we, you know, I remember when I would do that, I would wake up in the morning and feel resentful about certain people, they would have in my head, they would have these conversations, I go, what am I gonna do about this person? Oh, those assholes, those idiots, you know, and we have this thing going on. This is how you count your enemies. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is figure out who you're resentful about. Okay, this is patriarchal. This is the game world of patriarchy. Okay, catch yourself, name it, put it on the table, name what it is. So that's what all these distinctions are about. That's what all these are about. If, if unless somebody wants to say something right now, I would read some more. <clears throat> Ramona? Yeah, I wanted to share that for me, it has been a complete game changer. Um, when you were talking, the the last call about holding space for for your own culture like i completely forgot to hold space for my own culture when i came back to switzerland it was easier you know when i was in a surrounding with people that more or less have a similar mindset and i forgot about it and it's just a completely new experience for me to be here in in this country that is so much in this modern culture vibe um, holding space for my own culture and I'm having so much fun really <laughs> it's amazing and I'm so grateful to have this, this this distinction that really makes a huge difference for me 
and I'm making amazing experiments now with that. And I also realize how much um, my possibilities around uh, my work, like the, the things that I'm creating now here and now really want to root here also. Um, like how, how it's, uh, yeah, it's just different things are possible because before I realized um, I was kind of uh, with one feet always uh, looking from modern culture towards me um, towards myself trying to to make it right also from that perspective so and it's so relaxing that I don't need to make it right from that perspective anymore and it's amazing so that has been really big for me and I re realize also now when you're talking about this um, this uh, yeah just the last couple or oh, half an hour let's say I also always realized, okay, that's my um, that's my strong ground, like that's my safe position because I know my values and like I, I've done a lot of different processes that that I know where I want to move towards, and now I'm I'm just more stable and yeah. So I want to share this. I'm full of joy. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let me read a few more items off of this next section. It's called How Patriarchy. You know, I, I wrote this way back in, I don't know what, early 2000s. And so I, I, I don't say things like this anymore. It said how patriarchy shapes our culture. That is before I did, Ramona, what you're doing. That is before I could define a context that I would love to live in and decided never to go back. I moved in and decided never to go back. So then I don't say our culture anymore. I'm very clear that there is a game world called capitalist patriarchal empire called modern culture. And that culture is played out a certain way. And I was born and raised in that culture. And I had to die to come to the edge of it and then go into the I don't know land because, because there were not people giving me books and talks and instructions and experiments and websites that could were maps and bridges. Nobody was doing that. I had to just throw myself over the edge and see what happened over and over again. So it's if you look at the capitalist patriarchal empire it's pretty clear that it is dominated and controlled by uninitiated adolescent men everywhere every hierarchy in the world including united nations every g you know non-government organization ngo every ngo hospitals colleges corporations churches are all run by uninitiated mostly actually psychopathic adolescent men. Okay, this is pretty obvious. It's structural. It is a structural design that it is that way. Modern culture is designed to serve the purposes of these uninitiated adolescent men. They're, I don't even wanna call them men, they're teenagers. 
and they have, they're holding, they're holding power positions in the, in the hierarchies, the global hierarchies, because they're the, because it's a, because it's a hierarchy and the, the, the psychopaths are the ones who can, are the best skilled at doing whatever it takes to take the power positions in the hierarchy. It's just structural. It is a structural design that it, to come out that way. So these uninitiated adolescent teenagers design our government, modern culture government. They design their police force. They design their military and their school systems. It is, and their healing systems. It is, so these, these uninitiated adolescent teenagers make and enforce the laws. They specify and approve the design of cities and streets and buildings and transportation systems and communication systems. They, um, they, they have arranged the entertainment and the clothes. Even kitchen appliances are designed and marketed by uninitiated adolescent boys with unusable instructions written by technicians for technicians. And it's just obvious. Uninitiated adolescent teenagers define women's beauty ideals and then saturation bomb the female mind with these definitions through multiple media channels. Uninitiated adolescent boys use the female body in advertisements as a sex object for manipulating other uninitiated adolescent teenagers, boys. What this does to women is not even considered. It is not even thought about. For these uninitiated adolescent teenagers, women are a market niche. There's something to sell something to. Women are told they are, are free within the patriarchy. But this is a false and ridiculous freedom, more like having a larger prison cell. The freedom is without responsible consequence except to make monthly payments on credit card bills. Women are free and blocked from being able to take responsibility, just built into the structure. Women were recently given the right to vote in the patriarchy. But this is a total illusion of empowerment because voting itself is a teenager form of decision-making. Women do not make decisions by 51% vote. Women would never do this. <clears throat> women naturally make decisions through talking about it, through consensus. Men do not even know what consensus is. If women want power in the patriarchy, they must first subvert their own femininity and play the men's game. Gain power or recognition, the women have to become better men than the men. What a waste. 
To succeed in the patriarchy, women give up pride, self-confidence, dignity, and their direct connection to the source of the living goddess. Women's culture is directed by uninitiated adolescent teenagers to be focused on children, laundry, housekeeping, shopping, entertaining men, and so on, whatever the men do not want to do. Women are not empowered as top managers in trade businesses. There's basically no women's management culture. So uninitiated, adolescent, perverted men, you know, teenagers, dominate religion. Women's spiritual problems are solved by men, you know, the Pope. The patriarchy replicates itself by educating children in the patriarchal context through all forms of media and even unconsciously through women themselves. So women in the patriarchy have been trained to teach their children how to be women in the patriarchy. So Patri women in the patriarchy teach their girls how to, how to live in the patriarchy rather than teaching them mixed culture, for example. In the patriarchy, there is no place for women to live their authentic power, so they offer their bodies to get a little of what they want and to be accepted by men. Sexual abuse of women and children is understood as normal in the patriarchy and is often unobstructed. Women compare, compete, sorry, women compete with other women to survive in the patriarchy and for the love and acceptance of these uninitiated adolescent boys. You get that? Women compete against each other for the love and acceptance of these uninitiated adolescent boys. I mean, just think about that. Yeah. There is an ongoing war amongst the women who could instead nourish and empower each other in a woman's culture. Patriarchy creates wars on the planet because the patriarchy is not round. Love is missing. Women know how to prevent war, but don't do it. In order to demonstrate the little power that they do have, they let the little boys go kill each other as a subtle form of feminine revenge. You know, you know actually, women could end the patriarchy overnight. If women got together and said, you will never touch me again. If you do this job, keep this attitude, you know, hold this belief, behave like you do that, you will never touch me again. It would end the patriarchy overnight. Women have forgotten that they are love.
it is important to remember that there is nothing bad or wrong about the patriarchy. The patriarchy works as a patriarchy works. Human beings live, work, and play in virtual reality game worlds, life stories that we agree to create together. We could continue to live in a patriarchal game world for all of eternity until the planet dies, and no one would blame us. It is just a patriarchy. And patriarchy is not the only solution to life on Earth for a human being. Just like steak and potatoes is not the only solution to what to have for dinner. The real question here is, how have we lost our personal ability to choose and live out a wider variety of alternatives than are allowed on the menu of standard Western culture? You get that? That's the real question here. How have we lost our personal power to choose and inhabit a wider variety of alternatives than are offered on the menu of Western culture? Where did we lose that power? You have the power to answer that question in an interesting way by actually choosing attitudes and actions that are not offered by our present culture. So I, I offer this, I challenge you this week as, a, as an experiment this week to originate, choose attitudes and actions that are not offered in the present culture. Write them down, tell your friends and do them. So um, this would be the experiment. This is the experiment to do is over and over again as often as you can do you know inhabit actions little subtle things they're just very small things very small ways that you interact and behave or even and also if you tell other people what you're doing like say look you know my mother she always used to not start eating before the man started eating and you know what i do that and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna change that behavior. So every time I eat at a table and there's a man, I'm gonna fucking start eating first before the man for no reason except that it's not offered on the menu. You know, I don't it was not how many how many women do that? They don't they stop, they don't eat until the man sits down and is ready to eat. Anybody do that? So so it's this is this habit. It's just this, it's this exact kind of thing. So the challenge this week is to come up with as many of those things as you can and try to write them down so we can, I would, and send them to me, okay? Please put them either next week on the chat line and share them with us or send me on the, in the message in the WhatsApp group, okay? So you could do this thousands of ways. You could, for example, love your wife and children more than anything else more than your car more than your fear of obeying patriarchal authorities more than looking good to your neighbors 
You could love your wife and children more than that. You could define your neighborhood or your part of the apartment building as your village and start having village meetings once a week, divided into men's culture, women's culture, and children's culture with village-wide festivals four times a year. You could do that. You could start a school for children or adults that teaches from this book or other non-belief-centered books. You know, distinctions, tools, skills, all that stuff. You could empower and organize men and women to provide rites of passage for teenagers so they have a foundation that is broader and deeper than modern culture can offer them to use for the rest of their lives. You could give up trying to meet economic standards that are set for you by the culture and instead figure out who you are and how to make the best use of your time while you are alive, rather than working for some set amount of economic recompensation. You could reclaim your powers to take non-ordinary actions right here, right now, while reading this sentence. And then you could exercise that power again and again every three seconds from now on. How do you actually reclaim your power to choose something that is not offered on the menu? It is an astonishing question because such power is inalienable. It is inalienable. You, it cannot be taken away from you. If you don't have that power or use it, it's, you, it's you're the one who's not doing it. Such power is not something that can be taken away from you. How you reclaim the power to choose from all options rather than only choosing from the options presented on the menu. Let me read that again. How you reclaim the power to choose from all options rather than only from the options presented is to specifically and exactly figure out how you are right now pretending that you do not have that power. This gives you the key to get through all patriarchal defenses. Uh, Clinton, can you read that last sentence again, please? Yeah. And this, and this, let's talk about it this week between, okay? Here it goes. How you reclaim the power to choose from all options rather than only from the options presented to you on the menu. How you do that is to specifically and exactly figure out how you are right now pretending that you do not have that power. This answer gives you the key to get through all patriarchal defenses. So this is something we can do this week, is help each other go through these emotional processes, whatever they are, that in the ways that we pretend we do not have the power to choose something that comes from inside of us, rather than choosing from what's outside of us. This is a huge reorientation of your choice function to choose what's from in you rather than what's from outside of you. Find it in you. Like it's so, it's such a big thing to find out what you want, what you choose, what you declare, 
what you ask about and inquire about. This is huge. Find that out inside of you and then move from there and find out whatever's blocking you from doing that. And please, and it, there, will be, there will be stuff coming up for you. There will be emotional reactivity to this stuff. And we can help each other. Just call up two people, say, I'm having this emotional reaction to doing something different about whatever. And can you take me through, the, through this process? Can you and you please take me through this process? Already an hour and a half. And Chloe and I will stick around a little longer and say hi to some of you, like Phyllis and people like that who we didn't say hi to for a long time. And or go deeper in any of the things that we've touched on today. Sarah, again, thank you for your notes. And so if you if you need to go now, thank you very much for being here. We'll be we'll be back next week. Thank you very much for coming and, and doing this. So if you have to go now, just click out. Thank you very yes. much. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I just want to say again um, that I'm offering a rage club that's online and it's on Saturdays. So that can be a really helpful thing to take back your center and do what Clinton was just talking about. Like put your center back on your center and reclaim it. So if you want to join that, I'm going to put the link in the chat and feel free to check it out. Cool. Thank you. I have a question about fear. Is anyone doing, what's, what's the fear process? Is there any like groups that work through fear and, um, or where's a good resource to do experiments with fear? So I'm holding space right now for a 333 of fear. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of 333. Um, I can suggest to you that you start your own group or even do it on your own privately. It's really great. What is the, I know what the idea of the, the actual 333 is, but like how is it done with fear? The same. You do three minutes of as high, as much pure yeah. fear as you can for three times a week for three months. Okay. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> yeah, Janet, I would, I would recommend to really do that and then some people ask me to open a new fear club so i'll open one maybe in the fall like end of august or beginning of september or something like that so i'll kind of try to spread the information and um, did you do some rage club before have you done any I, rage club no i haven't done the rage club um so i've been oh, doing the yeah. 333 with sadness my my anger quickly goes into sadness so um, I've been, I've, that's the strongest one, but now I'm noticing that fear is showing up. Um, I power lift 
So often my trainer will be like, get into your anger. And I'm like, this is, there's not, it's not anger. It's fear. It's showing up when I have to lift heavy. So I can lift the heavy, but it's, I can feel I'm scared. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where it's showing up a lot more. Okay. Anyway, I would, I would recommend you to start with anger, to start okay. building your matrix of anger, because then you'll have space for your fear to have a safe space to come through. So either with Amanda, I think Vera is also starting some rage clubs and I'll, I'll probably open one, but yeah. So thank you. So you, I didn't realize there was like a, a preferred order here. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, um, just because I'm Chloe plugged in and also for you, Janet, uh, I'm going to, I'm holding a four week rage club um, closed group that starts on uh, this, this Thursday from four to six UK time. And I, I can put the link there. And it's um, starting with the anger really gives the anger for other feelings to, to, to really start working on them. Even if you feel more um, activated with the fear, it's really like a base anchor. How do I then do anger? Whenever I've done anger those, I'd go into sadness. So I know that I've been doing three, three, three with sadness. How do, how do I make sure I don't fall into that um, in preparation for like a club? I had the same thing. When I first started anger work, when I started this work, I could not, hang, I could not stay in anger. I would always go into sadness. Mm -hmm. It is a distortion. It's a survival level distortion. It's an, it's an, it's an internal switch. And the, the only way really through it is, is through the anger work to inner navigate. So all you're just saying is your inner navigating is sloppy. It's like you, <laughs> if you're, not a, you don't, you're not able to inner navigate into anger and stay there. Yeah. That this nice girl, smiley face, poor sad me comes in and moves you into sadness, <laughs> even when you're feeling angry. And that's what I was doing. But I remember the moment when I, I was started to get angry and these guys held me in a standing rage hold and I just started crying. They right. said, oh, we have, to do, we have to do sadness with you. You're crying. I said, fuck you. This is the best <laughs> I can do for anger right now. This is the best I can do. Fuck you. And that broke the nice. pattern for me. So really, there's a lot of wisdom in what Vera's saying and Chloe's saying and Eula's saying. It's all... This is, it is wisdom speaking to you. It goes with anger first. And when you get that, a lot of other things will go click, click, click. And without awesome. doing that, it'll be a mess for you. So I <laughs> okay. encourage you, you really trust that. Thank you. Thank you. I see now the tendency, my anger goes, switches to joy because it wasn't okay for me to feel angry. I have something to work on, thank you. So Callista, let me say that in the adult ego state, you will feel joyful about being angry. Okay. That is adult anger. And it will blow your mind when you're starting to feel this huge fear and you're glad about being afraid. This is adult fear. And you feel this huge sadness. You're overjoyed about being so sad. That's adult sadness. So don't, 
don't confuse that, okay? It's adult okay. ego state, because you have a good, strong adult ego state. You have a good, strong adult ego state. And when you get in anger and you feel glad that you're angry, make sure it's not gremlin, you know? It's like I get to right. be revenge, you know? But it's if you're glad about being angry because it's aliveness. That's right, your adult. yes, alive. Thank you. Phyllis, what are you up to? Talk to us. I just feel really sad today uh, through, this, through this discussion. Um, you know, last week I went on a bike, a bicycle camping trip and went into Trump country. You know, I live in this bubble in Eugene and went into Trump country and it's so patriarchal and it's so scary. And, you know, when men see people on a bike with gear on the back, you know, they just think, and they get really angry and it's very scary. It's very, it's, I don't, I don't even see how to get beyond the patriarchy, you know, at this point. I mean, in Eugene I can, but you know, that's, that's kind of fake. I mean, not fake, it's just, it's not necessarily reality in this country. So I, it feels overwhelming to me right now. And I just feel so steeped in patriarchy that, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm a, oh, I don't even know. Hmm. There's a big part of me that isn't even accepted by the patriarchy. And that makes it even more difficult. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm in a, a trap, in a cage. I, could I say something or ask you something? Yes. <clears throat> it's a nasty little question, but... Which country do you live in? <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm talking from my pain. I have a German passport. I don't have an American passport anymore. I used to have an American passport. I don't care because I figured out it's a game world. And so the whole construct, the, the thing is, I used to think my job was to transform America into an archiarchal culture. And until I, like you, met people who would kill me before they would let that happen. And then I had to give up that I was an American, which was really hard for me. Because I love Benjamin Franklin, and I love Abraham Lincoln, and Thomas Edison, and the Wright brothers. These guys were heroes for me. And I had to give up identifying them with being American. And then, only then, after I grieved this for years, really, for some years, I and you can do it quicker than me, but whatever. I, you, I finally figured out that I can, I don't 
I'm not American. I live in a, in a nano nation called Casablanca, and there's seven people in that country. There are seven people in the country that I live in, seven. And that's it right now. But it's a nano nation, and it's a true country. And it isn't on the map. It's a nomadic nano nation. And I can tell you how it goes. I know the rules of engagement. I know the constitution. I know the rights. I know the flag. I'm, I live in that country. It is not a fantasy world any more than America is a fantasy world. I don't consider myself necessarily American. I don't, I'm not proud to, I've never been, I don't look at the flag and feel pride. Um, it's, so what is but I, I do live here and I do have to deal with this. And so uh, it's lonely to have seven people in your country. You know? It is not. It is not lonely, let me tell you. You know, I just think you're using a really big here. When you say, I have to live here, it sounds like you're making a really big here that includes these guys who are, are Trump, Trumpians, whatever you call them, Trumpoids. You know, how big is your here that you live in? This is about thoughtware. You can minimize your here to smaller than the entire city of Eugene even. You can make your here smaller than that. If you make it so big, then you got, then you're, you have a lot of, you know, it's impossible. Then you're, you'll get killed. If you really confront those guys, they'll just beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? It's like, and so that's yeah. not your, it's not your future. That's not your life. They're not in your here. Just make your here end before there they start. You know, I got to live with you for a couple, three months in Baja, California, and we had our own country. And so I often use that as a, a model where the five of us lived on this beach in Baja, California. We had our own country. And when the Mexican Fernando farmer guy would ride up on his horse, you know, we had to make a buffer zone between our country and his country. And we had to put up an ambassador who put, put on their clothes and talked Spanish and tried to understand how much the eggs cost that he was trying to sell us. So, you know what? I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, think about the exercise of making your here smaller. It's a tool. I don't get that. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Please explain more. Yeah. Is there, what I'm, what I'm going to propose is this is not a short conversation and it might include a, an emotional process. Is there, is there anybody else here who gets that, who'd be willing to like engage Phyllis during the week in a conversation about it or a process about it? Is anybody else? Get it? Mia, Amanda, Sarah. I see three hands. Mia, Amanda, and Sarah, and Doris. So if you if you could pick a couple of them and connect with them. Ramona, did you have your hand up? Ramona also. So if you pick a Anna, Annie also. Thank you, Annie. If you could pick a couple of them and and just make you know just get online and just really 
put up your hands, go, I don't get this. Like, you know, it's such a foreign thing to think about. How do I shrink my hair? What the fuck is that? You know, I don't, what is that? And really go into it. This would be so beneficial. Okay, thanks. I'll, I will yeah, do thank that. You. Thank you. Cool, thank you. Clinton, I have a question. Would you say that would you say that the um, archiarchy has to do with inauthentic feelings from others in the parent ego state? I missed one word. Would it have to do with what? With the adult, with the uh, parent ego state and inauthentic feelings from others, like emotions. That what has to do with that? So um, the so patriarchy. Archiarch patriarchy the pa the patriarchy is that come like how is patriarchy related to parent emotions inauthentic feelings from others yeah it's not so patriarchy is a context for many game worlds context for the church game world for government game world military corporation for most of modern cultures game worlds are built in a context of patriarchy so the whole parent adult ego state is a thought map it's a map of possible ego states or certain kinds of reactivity the reactivity website is very powerful clear about this okay so if you go to the reactivity website it was it's just a it's a map of ego states to be identified with and you could do that in any uh any context so matriarchy patriarchy archiarchy you can do it in any context in archiarchy the people there would immediately go are you aware of which ego state you're identified with is that conscious or unconscious you understand? So it would be on the map in the archiarchal game world. People would just look at you and go, geez, it's, um, it sounds like you're, you're following a should or a must or a voice in your head or an external authority figure. Are you sure you want to do that? It sounds like you have not gone through that initiatory process or healing yet. Would you like to go through that healing process? That's the only conversation they would have with you in archiarchy. That's it. It would always end in a, an initiatory or healing process. This is what I love about archaearchy. It's like mm -hmm. it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's a doorway to a healing or transformation process. Okay. okay? Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Doris. I want to thank you guys for I'm so moved every time I'm here and that you encouraged me to do one month of uh, experiments now and, and my team is mostly here. I want to thank you. I'd like to continue because I was seeing so much stuff the last month. Um, very useful, very, very useful. I want to encourage everyone to do more emotional healing processes, really. Thank you, Clinton, to be in my life, in my world. And I'm Chloe and Vera and Mia and all of you and Amanda. And it's, I'm happy about 
really happy about. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Alrighty then. I'm, I feel glad to see each of you there. Thank you for being, making your time for this. Phyllis, were you going to say something else? Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. So have an experimental week and leap off the edge, throw yourself off the edge. And, and I look forward to checking in next Monday with you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Quentin. Yeah, thank you. Sarka, Scott. Hey, Sarka. (laughs) Maria, nice to see you. Okay. Sarka.